Welcome back to the Blockity Podcast with me, Don Birch. This is the podcast where we get to speak to thought leaders around the industry to get our heads around technology and what's going on in the exciting space of food provenance, data, and of course, the blockchain. I'm delighted this week to welcome onto the podcast, Sean Kane. Now, Sean is the Agri-Supply Chain Coordinator for Whites. He's an agronomist by trade and... Uh, He's getting himself into data and technology. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. Delighted to be involved. So let's go back a little bit. Tell me a bit about you. What did you do at university? How did you end up becoming an agronomist? And also, what the hell is an agronomist? <laughs> well, I suppose if we take it back to university, I completed a degree in agriculture. That really consisted of everything from animal husbandry, crop husbandry, business management. That was three years at Queen's University. Um, that's a joint degree with Caffrey, College of Agriculture and Rural Enterprise. And I suppose within that as well, I did a five-month placement at Chagas, which is a, I suppose, a research institute in, in the south of Ireland. I suppose that opened my mind to the data side of things. And I suppose I always have had an interest in it since then. But I completed the degree four, maybe four and a half years ago. There was a job as I supply chain coordinator come up at White Oaks. What attracted me to the role was that suppose, oats were very much in demand and there was a, a good outlook for oats in terms of their health benefits. They're very much suited to this climate and I've seen it as, I suppose, a very sustainable uh, career going forward. And that's important, isn't it, to people coming out of university these days? I mean, I remember when I graduated, what, 98, so we're going back a fair few years. You come out of uni, don't you, sort of all guns blazing. You want to change the world, you want to do good you want to you know make a difference in life and having a role that is helping sustain you know agriculture is helping to grow things more efficiently more effectively doing less harm to the planet ideally doing good to people is is important to people now isn't it very much so one of the most unique things about the rule is that we well i suppose i work with farmers right through from the sowing of the crop right through to delivery to the mill and then as well as that you're consuming it every morning so it's quite unique that you know you can see the provenance in front of you. There's traceability and transparency from farm to bowl. So it, I suppose that's another benefit. But I suppose in the broader sense, it is a really health food, and it's becoming more and more trendy as I suppose different trends and whether their fads are not moving in the direction of veganism, whole foods, flexitarianism. All these things are buzzwords and oats firmly fits in with all of them so it is quite unique. Now you work for a company that dates back to what 1841 so 180 years old if I can get my maths right. Things must have shifted a lot even in the last four years in terms of how you're applying the tech that's now available and more accessible on farms allowing people to do things differently. Just talk us through you know a typical day in the in the in the life of a agri supply chain coordinator. What sort of things are you seeing happening today that people might be surprised by 180 years this year and it is interesting that um you know some of the old methods of farming are very much coming back in you know wider rotations more diversity and inputs different crop management that would have been common practice maybe 50 60 years ago such as organic farming cultivating crops differently what sort of changes have happened over the last few years? Because I guess even though it's 108 years old, there must have been a lot of innovation that you've seen in the role that you've been doing just in the last sort of 18 months or so. Yeah, like there, there definitely has been a lot of innovation. Um, in terms of the management of crops, one of the key things would be oat yield. On this island, we have some of the highest yields, oat yields in the world. So it puts us in a, a very unique position. And that's been driven largely, I suppose, by climate. But as well as that, 
improved management of the crop on farm. Uh, some of the work I suppose that I would be doing in the rural would be research and development. So that's where we're looking at different varieties, different management of those varieties in our climate. And then that's given farmers the information to make decisions, whether to plant a different variety, manage it differently, and hope to get the same outcomes that maybe we're being able to demonstrate in research. So one of the things that Ellen, our agri-tech manager, says quite a lot, actually, and she's a farmer herself, she's come out of Queens, you know, right at the sort of forefront, I guess, of this world of using data and technology to, to improve things on farm. She says you can't manage what you don't measure. And I guess mm-hmm. part of what you're able to do now is just collect so much more data, collect so much more inputs to be able to then analyse, take the insights from those and, 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 and make better decisions. Well, precisely. And, you know, that's the unique thing as well about data. You know, we could have one research facility looking at, you know, one field of oats, or you could have 100 farms all growing oats, different climates, different soil types, different management practices, being able to capture the data and information of how these crops are being managed and bring that together, analyze it, and be able to feed that back to the growers to show, you know, why are the top 10% the best growers? What are they doing differently to maybe the, the guys in the bottom 10%? And, you know, what are these key differences in their management practices that are delivering these higher yield and higher quality crops. That really underpins the, the data side of things from our point of view is the information is there. We have hugely complex farming systems. We can start to pinpoint the key data points, the key management decisions on farm that are delivering those higher yields. Then we can, through knowledge transfer, equip the rest of the growers with this knowledge, you know. So tell us a bit about the link with Foundation Earth and, and how that pilot has developed for Whites. We started off with Foundation Earth and Mondra and I suppose the life cycle analysis of growing oats. So everything from seed right through to mill, the processing of the oats and then the distribution to to the supermarkets and, and other outlets. It has opened our eyes to the supply chain. You know, some of the actors that we can influence. There's a lot of things that we can't influence, and it's very much a journey with our suppliers, our stakeholders, to to get to a target of net zero by 2040. Is what we've set. Not one person in the supply chain can get us there. It has to be everybody working together. And I think that's been the key learning from my part, anyway. That um, we now have that knowledge of the the key parts of the supply chain that are, you know, carbon intensive, the bits that are, you know, really good for biodiversity, short supply chains, local supply, and it's bringing all this together. Yeah, really just, it's really growing our knowledge in that area, you know. And it's something that's just going to gain in importance, isn't it? We're just on the back of COP26. People will have seen, whether they wanted to or not, a lot of coverage in the the newspapers. You've got Greta Thunberg, you know, saying blah, blah, blah to world leaders. But in the meantime, industry, consumers are moving ahead with a pace, aren't they? And, you know, this sort of front-of-pack environmental scores are going to become more commonplace, you know, five, ten years down the line. There's going to be an expectation, isn't there, when you're picking up your groceries in the Asda or the Tesco, that you want to know that the things you're putting in your trolley have been produced sustainably. Absolutely. And, you know, it's all about doing the right thing is what we see. And, you know, consumers want to make that choice that, you know, is this slightly better for the environment, the climate? And, you know, Climate change, carbon, it's hugely complex and complicated, but, you know, it's a big step in the right direction. You know, it's all learning. It's going to be learning over the next 10, 20, 30 years. 
And, you know, it's important to us to take our consumers in that journey with us. Now, as somebody who I know likes a bit of golf, you'll know then the best players in the world are always just making those little fine tunings, aren't they? Just doing that little thing. Focus on the putting, focus on the driving, making sure your head's straight. What are the little things that everyone could be doing today, you know, just to make those little steps forward? Because I guess if everyone on farm listening to this podcast was to start making those small changes immediately, the compound effect of all those small changes would add up to a lot. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, small changes, that's where the data will help make these decisions. In terms of farm management of crops, you know, rotations, diversity, I suppose, is the key word. Diversity in fertilization, getting the fertility into the soil, diversity in crops. So, you know, wider rotations is always going to improve soil health. I suppose a lot of these things will come back to the soil, the fundamental asset on farm. And it's how we can help growers on that journey of becoming net zero in their own right through different farming practices. All these things add up. So, you know, improving soil health is going to improve everything from a farmer's margin due to the, the quality of the crop and the efficiency to grow that crop, but even more so the resilience in these different weather events that we're getting. You know, I think three out of the last five years, we've had pretty severe droughts, something that's not very common, but the more resilience we can build in soil and farming systems, you know, the more sustainable the, the supply chain is going to be. And what's your hopes for the future then? As you look out sort of over next I don't know, maybe even just sort of next 12, 18 months, Sean. What, what do you see that's coming that excites you, that sort of gets you out of bed in the morning with a bit of fire in your belly? We have developed an app at White's, and the, the key aim here is data capture and knowledge transfer. And what this will consist of, and we're already doing this, and we have done last year, is assessing all crops that are growing by each of the farmers in terms of plant populations, different assessments throughout the season that give us this data set in two to three years, which will be able to put us in a position that we can then advise growers where are these other growers or some of the growers doing very well, where some of the growers not doing so well. And that will give us the ability then to create a platform and a community within the grower growing group who make decisions on the back of that. And so that that is really exciting. And um, you know we want to increase yield on farm farmers' margins. We want better milling quality for whites. But as well as that, in the background, there's going to be a range of other metrics. And one of the key ones at the minute will be you know, carbon emissions, uh, sustainability. All these factors will play their part. So that that's exciting for me. I think the more data we can capture, we don't necessarily need to know what we're going to do with that yet. But as long as we're on that journey of capturing it, in three years' time, we can then make decisions of that. And the more data we have, the better the decisions we're going to be on the back of it. And just in relation to carbon, of course, there'll be a lot of people thinking, right, how on earth do we get to net zero? One of the things that you can do as a farmer is actually carbon sequestration. So as I understand it, you know, depending on the quality of your soil and your farming practices, you can actually capture carbon and the and the ability to capture carbon can actually increase over time. But you need to establish a baseline, right? You need to be able to verify and certify that, you know, you, you, wherever your baseline is that you can then measure from that potentially opens up a whole new marketplace, doesn't it, for farmers to actually enter into this idea that they are capturing carbon and they can sell that carbon credit to a part of an industry that, you know, is a carbon polluter. You know, if you're in the airline industry or you're a manufacturer of steel, you are going to be creating carbon through your processes. 
farmers need to start waking up to this notion, don't they, that in the future they have an asset on farm which is carbon and been able to store it. Yes, absolutely. And it's the, it's the unique thing about farms. You know, in Northern Ireland here, we have a lot of hedgerows, very good for sequestering carbon. And just basically any plants grown on farm are bringing carbon out of the atmosphere, putting them into the soil. And as you say, it's an asset. And I think, you know, the key thing for farmers will be to be moving their farm in the direction of net zero, as well as policy changes. You know, some farms are sequestering more carbon than they're admitting. And if you're in that position, then there's obviously that opportunity to trade or to sell your carbon credits. But as well as that, you know, from our point of view, we don't want to be in a position where we're purchasing credits from farms, but they're maybe emitting a lot more carbon than they're sequestering, which could put them at a disadvantage if new policy come in to say that, you know, farmers need to reduce their carbon emissions by 20-30% in X amount of years. They've sold that carbon credit off farm, then they've lost the ability, you know, for that hedge to sequester the carbon. So, it, it, look, it's a very new area and it's, um, it's complex and I think, you know, everyone's learning. But yeah, there's absolutely no doubt that a farm is a very unique ecosystem that is sequestering carbon. And I think that's right, isn't it? It's a complex area. And I suppose the, the message to farmers is, you know, if you don't know what's going on, you don't understand the, the, the context of carbon and carbon credits or how to become more sustainable, then now's the time, isn't it, to raise your hand and to find out what's going on. There's plenty of good stuff happening in your neck of the woods in Northern Ireland, isn't there, in terms of Queen's University and companies like Yablocrity and others who are really beginning to sort of like revolutionise data using the blockchain, you know, and, and figuring some of this stuff out. There's a lot of smart people setting their minds to this at the moment. Absolutely. And as you say, I think you've hit it the nail on the head when you say, you know, figuring figuring it out. It's it's definitely a time of learning. And the more, I suppose, we can help farmers on that journey to better understand, you know, how to sequester carbon, what different practices on farm are better for the climate. There's a, there's a lot of stuff out there in terms of different management, but farming is complex a couple of changes aren't going to fix everything it has to be that holistic management approach and you know a farm can very quickly plant the whole farm up in trees sequester a lot of carbon and sell those credits but you know that's to the detriment of maybe biodiversity to food production and it's just getting the balance so i think balance is a key word in this whole debate and learning is going to be those at the forefront of getting everyone to where we need to be Sean, thank you so much for coming on to the You Block to Eat podcast. It's been great catching up and uh, and good luck for everything you're doing on farm in the, in the months ahead. Look forward to staying in touch as, uh, as things develop. But in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, Tom, thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure. 